Okay, now grab your Bibles and um, follow with me in um, Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, <clears throat> beginning in verse 13. I'm going to make this pretty easy on you this morning because we're not going to bounce around as we have. We're going to just take a look at one um, six-verse passage. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 at verse 13. This wisdom I have also seen under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it, besieged it, built great snares around it, now, there was found in it a poor, wise man, and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that same poor man. And then I said, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, this poor man's wisdom is despised. And his words are not heard. Words of the wise spoken quietly should be heard rather than the shout of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroys much good. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God, this... This endures forever. You know, <clears throat> this is an odd book, that is, the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a unique book. Um, one writer called the book of Ecclesiastes the Bible's night before Christmas. Um, and what he was suggesting is, is that this book depicts... Um, a night of darkness, anticipating a dawn of joy and light. Um, th that's one of the reasons that I do like this book, because I, um, I know life is complex, and what this book does is, is describe life as it is, not how I, as, it, as how I want it to be. Uh, this is a large dose of reality. And, you know, in sermon number one on this book, I, 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 I mentioned that quote from T.S. Eliot, we human beings can't stand too much reality. But I, I like that. I like this because it, it describes life as, as it really is. <clears throat> this morning, I, I would like to start with you with a, um, with a brief history lesson. Um, if you'll forbear for a minute as we um, just talk about a little history. Uh, from World War II, those of you who are younger here uh, may not know much about that global conflict of 70 years ago, but um, I bet you do know the word Holocaust. You know that the six million Jews that were killed, that happened during World War II. You did know that, didn't you? Or perhaps you know the name Adolf Hitler. You know that name? He was the, uh, the maniac 
the dictator of Germany that caused so much of this pain. And then you may, uh, you may know the term Pearl Harbor. Um, ever thought about it? December the 7th, 1941, on a surprise Sunday morning attack when the Japanese Air Force um, attacked our naval base at Hawaii and pretty much put out of commission the whole Pacific Fleet. And it was that event that, of course, drug us or pushed us, um, that is the United States, into the war, into World War II. But the war, World War, uh, the war had started over two years earlier. You, did you know that? Uh, we got in in 41, December of 41. But it started in September of 39. September the 1st of 1939 when Hitler uh, or Germany uh, invaded Poland. There are some who would say that the war started even before that when um, Britain's Prime Minister, Neville Chamberlain, continued to uh, deal with Hitler in a position of real weakness and cowardice and, and compromise, and particularly at his meeting with him uh, in Munich, when he came back to London and waved um, uh, peace in our time. And then Hitler promptly invaded Poland. When Hitler invaded Poland and um, on September the 1st of 1939, Neville Chamberlain was completely discredited, disgraced, um, and he was replaced by a man by the name of Winston Churchill. You know that name, Winston Churchill? Um, the old, they called him the British Lion. Um, it was Churchill that was credited with leading Great Britain through some of her darkest hours, uh, the nadir of which came in July of 1940. The war had been going on for about, I don't know, what is that, nine months? And um, on July the 10th of 1940, um, the Battle of Britain commenced um, and you know what that is, the Battle of Britain? Uh, it went through July the 10th through the end of October, uh, 117, 115, whatever it was, straight nights where uh, the German Luftwaffe um, bombed the British Isles, including London. Um, <clears throat> it's what um, Churchill called Britain's darkest hour. But it was Churchill who was known for his masterful, skillful rhetoric that, that kept the morale of the British people high and continued to give them the will to fight. Um, <clears throat> he's known for some of his quotes. If you don't know Churchill, maybe you'll recognize some of his quotes. When he, was, when he replaced Chamberlain, he told Parliament, I have nothing to offer you but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. You ever heard that? Um, in another speech, he said to Parliament, Never, never, never give in. And then the one that I love the most is during the Battle of Britain, or just after it, he said, Never was so much owed by so many 
to so few. And he was referring to the RAF, the Royal Air Force pilots, that went up night after night to take on the German Air Force, the Luftwaffe. And by the way, there are some who say that World War II was won by those pilots. Um, because in the Battle of Britain, or those three and a half months, uh, the German Air Force lost over 1,900 planes and uh, also lost more than 4,500 air crewmen, either killed or captured. And uh, the, the suggestion is that the German Air Force never recovered from uh, all of the losses inflicted on her by the RAF during the Battle of Britain. <coughs> and then later on, of course, the Allies <coughs> had complete superiority in the air, bringing ultimately Germany to her knees. <coughs> that happened in May of 1945. May the 7th, 1945, Germany surrendered. Um, <coughs> Now, now, stay with me, guys, because there's a point. May the 7th, 1945, Germany surrenders. A little over two and a half months later, in July, July the 25th, actually, it was before, they started meeting before the 25th, but on the, the, Allied, the heads of the Allies met in Potsdam, Germany. Uh, Stalin, uh, Churchill, and Truman. You know, FDR had died. And Truman was now president, and they met in Potsdam, Germany, and they, they divided up post-war Germany into four sectors, the French, the Russian, the British, and the American. There's a lot of controversy about that Potsdam agreement in, on July the 25th of 1945. Now, guys, remember, the war is not over. Germany has surrendered, but the Pacific theater is raging. The atomic bombs have not been dropped. The war is still going on. When the Potsdam Agreement was signed on July the 25th of 1945. Later that day, on the 25th of July, Churchill flies back to London. Now, are you ready? Do you know what happened to him the next day? July the 26th, 1945. You know what happened? Churchill was run out of office. He was defeated in a landslide at the polls by Clement Attlee. The man who is credited with having led Great Britain through her darkest hours to an ultimate victory over Germany is um, unceremoniously dumped. He is, um, he's replaced. Gang, the war is not even over. And um, they've already gotten rid of, of Churchill. 
Did you know that? Did you know that the man who was used to keep Britain afloat and to keep her in the, in the fight was defeated at the polls in the you know, landslide even before the war was over? What do you think about those Brits? What, what do you, viscerally, what do you feel towards them? The man so critical in delivering his nation from defeat? Thrown out? Um. Hmm. That's very similar to the story that Solomon tells in chapter 9, verses 13 through 15. Look at it. I've also seen this under the sun, and, and notice he says, and it seemed great to me. He doesn't say that any other place. He is struck. He knows that he has just witnessed something that is very, very important. And the event that he either saw or heard about was that there was this small little city and this great big king with all of his forces came to this little city and this great big king and his army encircled the city and built up siege works and they were delivered didn't say how. They were delivered by a poor wise man. And then look. Yet no one remembered that poor wise man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, he delivered us. I mean, uh, uh, big deal. I mean, uh, what's he done for me today? For Solomon, that event described in those three verses illustrated for him the gross injustice that he saw in life under the sun. And my friends, lest you think that this is just some kind of biblical silliness and rhetoric, I have two words for you. Winston Churchill. Guys, that's why I told you the story. The injustice in this text lives on. These two stories, the one about the poor wise man that had delivered his city and then was forgotten, and the story of Winston Churchill, allow me to make two points. 
and I, I'm going to do the first one real quickly because I want to spend more time on the second one. There's two things that I want you to notice about this text. First of all, the beauty of wisdom. And, and, and again, I'm going to do this fast, so stay with me. The beauty of wisdom. It is said twice in this little, t- in this little passage that wisdom is superior to strength. It says it in verse 16. It says it in verse 18. And yet, wisdom is often spoken unto unwilling ears. Nevertheless, the poor man, wisdom is despised. It says in verse 16. Do you know the story in, uh, in Solomon chapter, excuse me, in, in Proverbs chapter 1, written by Solomon, that wisdom is crying in the streets, and yet nobody listened? You know what, ladies and gentlemen, we have, um, we have three videos of Planned Parenthood harvesting organs from aborted babies and a movement on, in, in Washington to defund Planned Parenthood. And so what does Planned Parenthood do? They go out and they hire themselves an advertising firm. And they try to um, uh, spin the thing and do some damage control. And now, you know who's to blame? Oh, it's the guys who took the videos. What is this? Because wisdom is despised, ladies and gentlemen. Wisdom is is commonly repaid with ingratitude. Oh, yes, so he delivered our city. What the heck? Wisdom is the thing that should be chosen. But we're told in verse 17, so often... It's rejected while we listen to the blustering cry of fools. Wise counsel is is never popular. It's, It's rarely obeyed. And it's seldom remembered. Whatever wonderful things that you've done for me, just not enough. (laughs) Oh, the injustice of it all. That's the first point I want you to see. Here's the second point that I want you to see from this little story. I want you to see the magnitude of evil. In these two little stories, the one I told you about Winston Churchill and this one, we get to see, I think, the magnitude of evil in the human heart. One thing that Solomon does so well in this book of Ecclesiastes is that he not only has an eye for the, for the big sins, the massive sins, but, but also he mentions again and again what one author called the mean sins. You see, you and I, are, we tend to fixate on the biggies like murder and rape and homosexuality and adultery. Um, and sins indeed they are. 
But Solomon also mentions things like envy. Oh, that's in there several times. Or um, miserliness. You know, a man left alone with his money and hoarding his money. Uh, he mentions unteachableness in chapter 4. People who just refuse to be, to be taught or listen to wisdom. He also mentions on a, several occasions the oppression of the poor, the mistreatment of the poor. And then in this little story, in verses 13, 14, 15, what you get is, a, is, a, is an implied reference to ingratitude. This God delivered our city. Well, what do we care? I, I would also suggest that self-entitlement is also implied because the whole idea is well yeah i mean <laughs> yeah you delivered me all right but i mean you owe me i mean because um I, I am so valuable that you just did what you should have done in the first place <laughs> because you know i am really valuable Ladies and gentlemen, where does this come from? He tells us, chapter 9, verse 3, truly the hearts of the son of, sons of men are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, he's not the only one that said that. Jesus says it. He says it a couple of times in the New Testament, Matthew 15, Mark 7, out of the heart flows adulteries and murders and evil thoughts. See, the book of Ecclesiastes, oh, it mentions the big ones. But it also mentions the mean ones. The ones that we perhaps call little ones. And the source of both of them. Is the same. The human heart. Maybe you know the name Albert Einstein. Einstein was, um, was very instrumental in, in developing the nuclear program of the United States. Right around the World War II. He was kind of the uh, Stephen Hawking of his day. Albert Einstein, who was not a converted believer that I know of, Albert Einstein said this, and I quote, what terrifies us is not the explosive force of the atomic bomb. What terrifies us is the power of wickedness in the human heart. It's terrifying. Potential for sin that we have in our hearts. Have you come to grips, ladies and gentlemen, with the potential for sin that's residing right now in your heart? Um, last December, Susie and I had just uh, returned from our annual trek to Washington, D.C. You know, I have a a daughter up there and six grandkids in D.C., and so we go up usually the first 
uh, week of December or so and um, see them. And um, um, anyway, when, when we, we, we come back, and, and while I'm away, Brent Wilkins very kindly picks up my, um, my mail for me at home. It, I live about a mile from here, and um, he picks up my mail, brings it to the office. So when I get home, I usually get home at night, um, I come over to the office and get my mail. And so I came over that night, and sure enough, there's a stack of mail on my desk. And so I was kind of thumbing through it, kind of rifling through it, you know, just to get rid of the stuff that I knew I didn't want to take home. And there in the stack of mail was the November edition of Playboy magazine. Now, how I got it, I do not know. I do not have a subscription to Playboy magazine, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I, I just canceled it. Um, <laughs> no, but I did cancel my Sports Illustrated subscription because of the swimsuit issue. And so I'm going through this stack of mail, and I said, well, how in the world did this thing, how did I get this thing? Surely enough, my name's on it. I don't, I don't know how they got my name, but you know it's pretty easy now. But anyway, <clears throat> so I threw it in the garbage can and, and, you know, got my mail, went home. When I was at home, I started thinking, Somebody's going to empty my garbage, and they're going to see in there, and they're going to think. So, I got back in my car, I came over to the church, I got it out of the garbage, and I took it home so that I could dispose of it more discreetly. After, of course, I had thumbed through it, um, that's just a joke, I did not. <clears throat> But, but you see, the point is, I, I couldn't let you think um, that there was that kind of blackness in my heart. But there is. May I remove, if there any question in your mind my heart is as black as yours you and I have black hearts capable of massive sins and frequently guilty of the mean ones Nice people, clean people, pretty people, church people, grace evan people. Fall into sin and then, for heaven's sakes, get out of their way. Watch out! Because you can watch them rationalize and minimize and spiritualize and, and justify. And my all-time favorite, blame shift. Well, the reason that I did that is because I'm... Where's that come from? It comes from the same place that the ingratitude came from. Guys, do you get this little message that Solomon has here for you? 
Solomon saw this event that he describes in verses 13, 14, and 15. And he says, oh, it seemed great to me. Because the lesson within this event was great to him. It was full of impact for him. And he was appalled and despaired over the potential for sin in the human heart. Evil and insanity fill the human heart. Inside of which is this private polluted pool. Which on occasion erupts onto the surface. And when it does, we like some kind of Hollywood star try to find ways of saying, well, that isn't me. Oh, yes, it is. Do you remember a couple of years ago, Michael Richards, Kramer, Kramer on Seinfeld, he, he was recorded as in this racist rant in one of his gigs, and, and he got in big trouble, and he kept saying over and over again, well, that's just not me. Well, then could you tell me who it is? It's him, all right. I mean, you lost your temper the other day with your spouse. Or in a moment of road rage. Do you see that thing about the... Happened this week, and the guy followed the guy home, and he got out of his car and shot him, and road rage. of the human heart. You know what we need? We need a Savior. A Savior whose grace is greater than all our sin. You know one? Does anybody come to mind? Does anyone come to mind who was um, poor and yet wise? A- anyone who comes to anyone come to mind who <clears throat> performed an act of great deliverance, but then his work and his teaching were soon forgotten? D- does anybody come to mind to whom? Who has delivered us, and but yet we've grown very indifferent to him? Oh yeah, that's the one. Jesus Christ, who by his life and his death has delivered us from a great evil. We owe him our lives. But instead,
forgotten him. How could we? That heart of ours. Ladies and gentlemen, my sin is forgiven. And I am eternally safe. But it is not because I hold on to him. But because he holds on to me. My sin is forgiven and I am on my way to heaven. But I am going to heaven not because I have loved him so greatly. But because he has loved me so greatly. My eternity is safe, ladies and gentlemen. Not because I have performed well, but because he performed well. What a savior. Father, I I do pray that you will exalt Jesus Christ before the eyes of every man and woman in this room. That they might see that the issue is the blackness of the human heart and the remedy is only found in this, this, um, this poor, wise man who um, died in the place of his people. The one, the one who, um, who because of his perfections mean that my imperfections are covered. Father, um, if you have brought anyone in here this morning who have not yet embraced this Savior, would you remind them of the need that exists and then compel them towards the only remedy there is for a black heart, Christ and him crucified. Do that, would you, Father? We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name.